Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is Paul Williams, the VP of Solutions at Control 4, a company I'm sure you've heard of if you've been at all involved in the Smart Home for some time. Paul's a super smart guy. I've talked to him quite a few times, and so I thought I'd have him on the show, just catch up on the news as well. Let's have him tell me what he saw at ISC West, which is the big security show that was in Vegas last week. And so we catch up on that. The worlds of security and smart home are closely associated, overlapping circles, if you will. And so I wanted to hear what he saw there. Uh, and we talk a little bit about doorbells. Uh, as I mentioned, there was going to be a lot of action around doorbells there. We talk about that, as well as catching up on some of the other smart home news of the past few weeks. As always, if you want to listen to more smart home shows, you know where to go. Go to technology.fm. You can find us on iTunes. We should have another podcast out next week. So stay tuned for that. So once again, thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, well, Paul Williams of Control 4, you you just got back from ISC West. Tell me what you thought of the show. I thought it was a great show. You know, it seemed like it's uh, there were more attendees this year. It seemed busier than in previous years. And a lot of great stuff out there. A lot of really cool technologies that we're seeing. Um, you know, you're, you're always inundated with lots of cameras and lots of security systems. But uh, uh, in that deluge of, of things that are there, there was some really cool stuff that I saw. For people who don't know, ISC West is... One of the big, if not the biggest, home security and just security shows. And Control 4 does show up there. You guys hang out at uh, another booth. That's correct. So Leland uh, is one of our partners. They're a camping manufacturer. have been a longtime Control 4 partner. And uh, they give us a little space in their booth where we can show the interaction and integration with their camera solutions in Control 4. And so as such, we've we've kind of been there for the last five years kind of as part of it. But uh, I spent a lot of time attending and walking around and looking at all the other companies. And we have lots of partners that are there at the same time too. And it's a good time for us to sit down with those folks and talk through where, where they're headed. Yeah. And I wanted to catch up because I knew you were there. And as we see increasingly the smart home world is fusing more with the security world. Uh, a lot of times and a lot more home security is utilizing smart home technology. So I know that some of the, one of the things I saw was doorbells seem to be hot. We, we could talk about that, but what else did you see? What trends were you seeing around smart home technology being showing its face at the at IC West? So for the last couple of years, as you as you mentioned, we've seen companies uh, you know started with like two gig, and now you got Qualsys and and uh, you know the core brands folks, um, all these folks that are coming into uh, security and then taking it from security into control and automation. Yeah. And so there's certainly more of that. Saw a lot more of that. Um, where the, as, as you did, I also saw a lot with door stations, door stations seem to be a big thing. Um, they have been, and we've had door stations in our own product lines, but continuing to expand. Um, and a lot of solutions that are, that are point solutions. Uh, you have, you have ring out there, for example, and, uh, some of these other folks that are, that are coming out with their, uh, doorbell solutions or door station solutions. Those were interesting. Um, and I, I, I find that kind of an interesting thing, but then on top of that, was the other thing, which is we're seeing some of the classic um, automation companies now looking to that channel 
as a potential for expansion. And so for the first time, uh, we saw URC there with their own booth and also had Savant there with their own booth. So they're, um, and part of their message was we are appealing to talk to, uh, these, these, uh, security installers, installation companies uh, that may want to move into this automation space and the smart home space. And so it was an interesting kind of uh, thing happening at this last show. Interesting. So companies that would traditionally you'd expect to see at Cedia um, and not necessarily showing their face at IAC West are increasingly seeing this as a potential channel for them. Um, So do you think that they want, uh, like Savant, do you think that they want a home security installer to say, Hey, we will also want you to offer Savant as potential, uh, or we want to be a potential integrator for Savant systems. Yeah, I saw, I definitely saw that, um, especially when it comes to their entry level solution right. with the new remote that they have, and that was really a, a, pretty much what they were talking about at the show. But I, I very much so. In fact, uh, if you look, there's a lot some other articles that were out there about URC, and URC made that very clear. That's what they were looking for was this channel as an opportunity to expand uh, what they're doing. So. One of the things that I've seen in uh, over the past few years is there's a lot of potential growth in, in new channels around home automation and security. There's the traditional Cedia channel and installer channel, but I, I'm increasingly seeing folks focused on DIY products and, and they aren't coming at it from the traditional through this traditional Cedia lens. They're just guys who maybe fix it or handyman or, or just young guys who want to get in the business and say, hey, we want to install Nest in a home. Are you guys are you kind of seeing that out there? Maybe the rise of a new installer channel around DIY. And I'm sure Cedia wants to kind of bring those guys into the fold, but are you seeing that at all? Yeah, well, sir, we're certainly watching it. Um, and that, that the DIY uh, world is certainly uh, interesting, appealing, and, and it's kind of the great white whale for a lot of automation <laughs> right. companies today right now, um, because we'd love to see that, that come to fruition. The problem that we've seen thus far is that there are victims on this road so far that have tried to uh, come out with DIY solutions, and they've they've not been, I would say, uh, very successful, uh, hugely successful, or or at least can sustain growth. And I think there's there's a couple reasons for that today. Uh, the first one is this stuff is really hard. The things that our dealers do um, and bringing technology together for a consumer in a home is is not. For the faint of heart, it's 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 takes a lot. You have to understand wiring, you have to understand networking, you have to understand a lot about how these products work. And then the manufacturers themselves don't make it easy either. And that's the challenges that, as a company like Control Four, where we we really are this what we believe is the operating system for that connected or smart home. Um, it's really hard because we have to talk a lot of different ways. These the manufacturers come out with their own unique ways of controlling their equipment, um, even if they're IR uh, well. Every every single company makes different codes for every single function on every single device, and being able to track that and keep keep it in a database and keep it up to date as they continue to change their models is a lot of work, and it's really struggle. It's really hard for a, a DIY company, especially some of these startups that have come along, for them to kind of get that that momentum behind them and even get the uh, the people behind them to be able to make that occur and to, and to keep it all working seamlessly and easily. And it's been hard. But you do see there's that gap in the market, right? So there's products that obviously are popular um, that don't necessarily need to prove themselves, uh, be that something like a, an Echo or a Nest, right? Where Absolutely. there's a huge gap of consumers who aren't comfortable with doing that electrical wiring that you need to do with Nest or an Ecobee. Um, and so they're not necessarily going to go into 
and and call a professional uh, like a CDL level installer. They may just want someone to do it for a two hundred dollar job. And I think Amazon's maybe trying to dip their toe in those waters with Amazon Home Services. But that there's that level of product where just seventy percent of the homes or fifty percent of the homes, whatever the number is, just wouldn't feel comfortable doing it themselves because it may involve wiring, and that not isn't necessarily the traditional control for. Or even like, you know, name another CD type of uh, platform that's not that traditional household for you guys. Yeah, we absolutely see that. And there's a lot of these point solutions you mentioned, too, that have been pretty successful. Nest and uh, both the Echo, Amazon Echo. In fact, Echo is doing phenomenally well, quite honestly. And um, I think those speak to these point solutions that that aren't uh, complicated. It's, it's pretty simple for a consumer to be able to take one of those home and get value out of it right out of the box. And that's that's the key. And so we definitely are paying attention to that and watching uh, what that market's doing. And and we integrate with those guys. I mean, we were the first company that Nest announced that they were working with, quite honestly, uh, from the automation space and uh, came to Cedia. And Tony Fidel did a, a his introductory speech at uh, at Cedia and announced they were working with us as as part of their API release. And then we're, we also have uh, people that have integrated the Echo today with Control Force. So there are, there are three different solutions out there today that are available that allow you to control your Control Force home using that Echo device. And so we, we see those devices as great door openers. Um, those are our devices that are getting readily uh, assimilated by consumers and then open up the world of possibilities to them. And those are the kind of things that we we look as drivers into the market, and we're excited about those kind of solutions. Quite honestly, you mentioned Nest. Any thoughts yourself on what what's happening over there? Yeah, it's uh, so I can I can conjecture a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I think part of the part of the thing, and, and it was interesting. Uh, they came to Cedia in full force. Uh, was it two years ago now? With like a big booth per- presence at Cedia, trying to get that Cedia installer. Because a significant number, and and even though it's a thermostat, it seems like it's simple. Even that in itself can sometimes be overwhelming for a consumer. And so there's a large portion of the Nest uh, installations that are being done professionally, not actually done by the homeowner. So there's a DIY part of that, but then there's also the professionally installed. So they're certainly interested in, and have been in that CD channel. Um, the the question that, that I have in my mind, and this is one of the conjectures, is is, is that the saturation level? Has it reached its saturation level for the early adopter or I'll say the uh, informed or educated adopter that that fills a little bit of technical expertise, at least enough that they're willing to take on kind of this this device? I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the questions I think that's, that's interesting in here. Has it reached the saturation level of, of the market acceptance that, it's, that it can I, penetrate? I have to wonder if, I mean, I've kind of speculated that maybe there are more natural limits to what you'll see with something like that versus something like an Echo, which you can freely just plug and play versus something like a Nest, um, which you have to actually do wiring. And I think there's a, a more limited and a smaller amount of households that are willing to do that. It isn't as exciting as something like a connected speaker that does new things like voice control. Um, yeah. So I tend to think that maybe there were some limits there. And plus, over time, you just have a unit limit. There's usually going to be one thermostat per household where the, I guess the smart strategy we're seeing kind of emerging from Amazon is this that with the, the dots and the taps, you could they're trying to get one in every room. Um, so there's going to be more growth, growth nestled into that strategy than you would see with like a, a one device per household strategy. Yeah, and I agree. I, of, of the two strategies, I would take the Amazon strategy because I think they've got 
kind of a winning solution there. Not only, you know, the thermostat, you interact with that thing. If you're lucky, your, your touch point with that thing is maybe once a day. In fact, for most people, it's no times a day, right? You've set the schedule. You never interact with it ever again. Um, for most people, it's as, in our research as we did with HVAC, it's usually set and forget. Uh, most people, most consumers work in that environment. Um, the Amazon though, that's a, that's a product you're going to integrate or you're going to touch that piece multiple times during the day. You're going to ask for music. You're going to, uh, create your shopping list. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with that device. And, and I think that also helps to show value in that I, you know, I paid for this device and I continue to get value from it every day. It provides me with value, whether it's playing my playlist or ordering some new music or, like I mentioned, adding on to a shopping list that makes it easy. So at the end of the week, I just place my order for my shopping. I mean, those are all the kind of things I think that those touch points are incredibly important with consumers uh, to feel like they've got value out of the out of the product, right? And talk about it with other people. So if someone comes to the house, they want to show them right off the bat. You know, your Nest thermostat that may be interesting to show your neighbor uh, as they come over, but man, how much more interesting is to show them that you can. Uh, create your shopping list or play anything your neighbor wants to listen to using that echo device. Yeah. The Nest thermostat conversation is probably once yes. and it's short. Whereas the Amazon echo conversation is probably every time they come over, there's some level of interaction with the neighbor. So yeah, I agree with that. And that impression is important. It really is. Any other cool trends or, or emergent trends at IAC um, that we're seeing with regards to this kind of nexus point between new technology, a smart home, um, any other things you saw? No, other, other than the, uh, door stations, I know that. And you're differentiating between door stations and the kind of the, the point solution doorbells, like the ring or the, the sky bell. I'll use them. I'll use them kind of interchangeably, uh, okay. interchangeably. So, you know, you've got the, you got this, the sky bell and, uh, and ring that I think kind of in that entry level point. And then you've got things like doorbird a little bit higher up that up that channel. Vivint. Uh, Mobotics, Vivint, some of those other things that are there as well. Got it. Um, but great, I mean, really cool solutions. I mean, I, I, I think it's amazing that, uh, you know, someone can ring on your, your doorbell and you can be in uh, in China and uh, answer the door literally, right? I mean, it's kind of kind of cool technology, quite honestly. Yeah, I think from a market perspective, just the what we're hearing – and then also from a survey perspective, what I'm seeing when we ask people about this type of solution, it's just, it's just instantly recognizable. And we knew this going back for a while that just the people understand it. And that's a, that's one of the things I think is important in DIY solutions, um, or ones that consumers would have to not necessarily get recommended to them from a, a like a home system integrator is they have to understand it and, and be, you know, be clear value for them to go and buy it somewhere. And adorable fits that. I mean, I've been uh, in Mexico, for example, and I've seen someone at my door, which is actually pretty cool. And uh, you could check in on your kids or, or, or whatever if they're at, if they're leaving the house. So it's just one of those things I think consumers can wrap their minds around more quickly. And that's part of the reason why they're doing so well. Agreed. I think that's, that is it. It appeals to a broad range of, of users. And because it's, it's really scalable in itself, and you can use it for as, as simply as you want to or as complex as you want to. It could be as simple as I want to play some music and as complex as I want this thing to now control some lighting and door locks and other things within my home. And so it really becomes this the comfort level of the consumer allows it to expand to whatever that comfort level is. And that's kind of a great, great platform play, quite honestly. I want to switch to the conversation a little bit kind of in the area of home security, but just more generally well-being of family members. And I think that this is something that I've seen. ADT 
kind of going down that path with their integration with Light360. And I started to think that may, that may even be be something that you start to see with pets. Um, I you know I feel like the whistle. I don't know if you're familiar with the whistle, which is yeah, a I, GPS enabled dog collar. Felt like that could be incorporated in a broad portfolio of like making sure you're tracking every living being in your house and making sure they're doing okay. I don't know if you saw the news that whistle was sold to Mars, which is kind of an interesting story in and of itself. But I was going to ask you from a control four perspective, are these things that you guys look at something like a, a connected dog collar and, and something that you think would be important to incorporate over time? I do. I think that there's uh there's certainly, and I did, I did see that news. Um, I do think that there's a market for that and being able to track uh, not only your possessions, but family members themselves could be even broader than the dog could be children as well. And, you know, it brings in a whole line of security issues that go, you know, uh, there's a much broader discussion, but I do see the need for those, those types of integration. I mean, in some families, uh, the, the pets are revered more than better than the children are. It, 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 I've been to those houses. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so to have, that be a part of your life. I, I think that extends to the technology that you're using in order to track that. Already, we see there's a lot of control for installations that have cameras um, in the house, and they use our for pet app. cams. They do it. That's exactly the sole purpose in life is to check on the pets uh, to make sure that they're the pets are okay and everything's fine. Uh, we see that a lot with control for homes where they're very happy to use our. Uh, application to be able to pull up the cameras and check out the the uh, pets to make sure they're okay while they're away. So. so when they ask you for cameras, how many times is it for something like I want to check on my baby, check on my kids, uh, check on my pet? Is that or even like elderly parents? Is it pretty frequent? Yeah, it's really frequent. I mean, that's that's the uh, outside of anything that's inside the house. It's usually in that in that uh, in that vein, and in the backyards, it's in that vein as well. Anything in the front of the home is going to be security related. It's going to be i want to just i want to have this on an nvr or dvr and that way if if i ever have something come up missing or if i'm a question about um who's coming to the home i can go back and check that in the future but when it comes internal to the home it's usually all about uh checking on babysitters checking on children checking on pets uh checking on my elderly parents it's usually that that more safety rather than the security part yeah, of that well-being versus security and intrusion de- detection and it sounds like there's a huge difference or definitely a discernible difference between how people want their cameras to be used inside the home versus outside the home that's it's absolutely correct there's a last story i want to talk about real quickly and then we'll get to control 4 and get an update but uh, I've known of John Lewis for a while they're one of the biggest retailers in the UK and it's an interesting story that came out in Forbes Talk about how this particular retail retailer saw eighty one percent growth year over year for smart home, and that's all you know all varieties in in kind of in a broad sense. And so they did kind of they pulled what you saw at Target. They created at their flagship store, basically an experiential smart home, a thousand square foot space with a few different zones like the the bedroom, the kitchen, and the reason they did that is because they were sawing, seeing a lot of success just selling smart home gear at retail, and that kind of counters you know some of the uh i guess the stories we've seen in the last six months saying you know at retail we're not seeing smart home stuff move as fast as we anticipated apparently in the uk they are seeing it particularly john lewis and they're they're doubling down on it yeah i read i read your story i i think there's there's some interesting uh information in there and to to read between i think there's two things one um 
And looking at their showroom, it's beautiful. I think they've done a great job with that, at least from what I can see from pictures. Um, I think what they've done is that this kind of technology, things that we sell and that we talk about in smart home, it, it's hard to describe to somebody. I can describe to you an experience where I have a, a single button that I press at night and it turns off all the lights. And, and that may be pretty descriptive or descriptive enough, but showing somebody how a door interacts with a touchscreen in the house, meaning that somebody can come to the front door, they can press the doorbell button, and from inside the house, I can have dialogue with that person or over a phone like we were talking about before. To actually show somebody that experience goes so much further than me just explaining it to you. And so I think their showroom kicks on a very valuable thing that we've seen time and time again with our dealers and with others is that is this experience has to be experienced. It's not something that you can just kind of describe or even put in a flyer. It's something that really needs to have somebody view that. Um, I we we believe there's still a huge market for uh, retail for this kind of experience for people having uh, that coming in to see what the possibilities are and then purchasing those those solutions. Um, and quite honestly, the biggest problem that we that we see is just awareness. Um, even in today's age with the internet, we're, we're completely information saturated as, as human beings today in today's world, at least in the internet connected world. And it's what information do you pay attention to? What information do you ignore? And we're so inundated, we don't have time to actually talk and, and look at these kind of things. And I think if you can get somebody's attention in that, in that setting, they may not have had any idea that the possi- what the possibilities are. And this education here, uh, we've seen it in our in our own channel, quite honestly. Once you can educate somebody about what the possibilities are, you you really have potential to sell them something. Yeah, it seems like a lot more retailers are jumping on board this experiential kind of uh, way to put stuff forward. Just putting stuff on aisles or in end caps isn't necessarily cutting it for, I think, these new connected devices, particularly as everything starts to work in concert together to show how they kind of connect and scenes can be run. It'd be interesting to see how that could maybe be leveraged by someone like Control 4 or coming to rely on an installer network or you think about how retail can be like a jumping off point for you guys to maybe bring people into your, for lack of a better word, sales funnel. Yeah, so we've, we've certainly explored that. And we have, uh, and currently we're in, in, in uh, Best Buy home, Magnolia Home Theater stores today. Yep. And they gener- generate a significant amount of business um, in that it's a store you can walk into. And it's the store within the store concept. We're not in the in the big box part of that store, but in the MHT side of those stores. And it's, it's a place where they set up the experience and the experience is there for people to look at. And we do see that as, as value. Our, our really good dealers, the dealers that do very well and do a good, good amount of business with us, have showrooms that typically have retail storefronts. Uh, where they are showing uh, the experience and somebody can come in and see exactly what smart home is and why I sh- why should that even be important to me? Why would it matter? What is the value proposition for me as a consumer? And the consumer, the, the dealers that show that um, are certainly seeing are, are being benefited by seeing that in the sales and what they're able to do with customers. So people who don't know you, Paul, you are VP of solutions for control four, which I think incorporates product um, uh, product development, R&D. Tell us all what you're responsible for at Control 4. You bet. So it's it's kind of an interesting title, uh, VP of Solutions. Uh, that that would infer there's problems and then there's solutions. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, the, uh, what I head up is I head up all of the product management and all of the product development, so all the R&D for all of our customer-facing products 
uh, with the exception of our controllers and our touchscreens. And so anything that has to do with the lighting experiences, with listening, uh, with viewing video, video distribution, audio distribution, uh, with security, security automation, um, with uh, comfort, HVAC, blind and shade control, pool and spa. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a few others, but uh, all of those products and solutions fall under my uh, jurisdiction. So those engineering teams report up through me. As head of uh, kind of R&D and product, what are some of the things you're most excited about in terms of new products or new things we can expect to see down the road for Control 4? Any any things you're particularly hot on? So one of the things we do as a public company, we're also the first public company in our space. We're a little cautious about we uh, we don't sell futures anymore, which is which is uh, <laughs> right. interesting. Uh, but I can tell you about what we've been doing uh, and some of the exciting things I see. Uh, so there's some really cool stuff that uh, uh, we did earlier this year. We released our new version of E of controllers. There are EA series, entertainment and automation, and the a lot of that was built around this uh, what we see as a wave that is coming and that wave that is coming and we believe we're on the on the front side of that wave is high resolution audio and that's that's kind of the industry coming full cycle um a lot of the industry started off in two channel really high end audio and somewhere somewhere we digress to a point where people are okay with very poorly um recorded uh, or at least uh duplicated audio through some a $5 set of uh headphones and so we kind of went to that. Now it's coming back the other direction. We're seeing this this real uh, need in the market that's starting to build for high resolution audio and hearing thing clo- things closer to the way that it was actually uh, meant to be listened to by the sound engineers that that uh, put it into medium. And uh, so we have these new EA controllers. Uh, they support high res audio um, as part of that product line. Uh, we also uh, came out with really a cool package which is our EA1 with an SR260 remote control. And it's a single room automation solution. And that single room automation solution would let you automate an entire uh, home theater or a media room or a a, a family room or living room that has media in it with devices. And it uh, has a retail price of $600 for that package. So what we've really tried to do was decrease the cost of entry for consumers so that we can broaden that market out, but yet still have a professionally installed solution so that when I get it home, it just works. And that's part of the thing we've seen with with some of this DIY solutions that came out there. The video that I watched online and then I ordered it sight unseen over over the internet and brought it and got it home didn't fulfill my my expectations. I, I was never able to, as a consumer, never able to duplicate what they were showing me because it was either too hard to install, too hard to implement, or actually what they showed me didn't actually match what my real experience was at the end of the day. Where what we're able to do with this lower cost solution is have a professionally installed solution uh, that's going to match the expectations of the consumer because it's tailored to them and have a great entry point for a consumer to enter into this smart home space and then from there be able to scale and add on different things if they so desire. Maybe they don't. Maybe that took care of everything that they needed. So I'm excited about that because what that's done, and we've seen this in our channel already is it's expanding the opportunity for our dealers to broaden their customer base by getting into a much broader range of consumers. And that's exciting. I think there's some excitement there. And then you're going to see that as a variation of the theme that you're not giving too much away as you look into the future. High res audio, uh, the wave is coming. Uh, we're starting to, starting to feel it. And we believe once again, we've positioned ourselves um, in a good place right at the beginning here. What about voice control as and voice as an interface? You mentioned uh, we talked about Echo earlier. 
Um, are you guys starting to use those types of DIY products to interface with your products? Yeah, certainly with the Echo. Um, as I mentioned, there's three different uh, menu or, or three different companies that have drivers out there for the Echo. We've been looking at Echo. Seems to to be really good. We like the voice engine in around, in it. Uh, we think they've done a really good job of uh, really being able to better decipher what people are saying, and they've done a really good job with echo canceling and noise canceling. Um, so that when I'm in a room and there are other things going on, whether that's other people talking or even media uh, that's playing in that room, uh, the Echo does a really good job of still listening to for that those key words and listening to what um, is being asked. So we're really impressed with that as a as a solution when it comes to uh, voice and voice control. That, that aspect you mentioned, I think, is kind of a, an under-talked-about area. They've invested a ton in that and focused a lot on that long-range voice recognition capability. And when you compare that to other things like the Microsoft Connect stuff, uh, it's much, much better. They've kind of understood from the get-go that needs to be important if it's going to be a kind of a key control layer or interaction layer in the home. Yeah, if it's going to exist in the home, most of our homes aren't quiet all the time so that no. it's just, just me, me talking. Um, so there's always some noise going on, whether it's children or kids or dogs or pets or music or television, whatever it is. There are other things going on, and they've done a really good job of making sure that that device uh, can hear what you have to say. So it's really been very impressive, quite You talked about the three third parties out there that have written drivers for Echo. Is that something you guys have been fostering, or, or they, they just saw that there's an opportunity there to kind of fuse the two worlds? I mean, that, and that probably is – maybe you could shed some light more broadly on how you're, you're – that the community out there that writes drivers for the control for products, how that generally works. Do they they say see a new product category and they want to kind of be first? Um, is it a way for them to be entrepreneurial and gain money? Uh, or, or kind of drive their business? It's a little bit of both. And so what we've done is we, from the very beginning, we we saw ourselves as an ecosystem. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the, really that platform for the connected home. And as such, we open that up to other manufacturers. And in fact, we work with, we manufacture our own products, but we also work with a lot of competitors gear to make sure that it integrates seamlessly with our system and our solution. Um, that goes into the, into the driver world as well. Um, we have um, a significant... Um, engineering and R&D resource that's here, but we also have to, we still have to prioritize. There's so many things we could be working on right now. We have to prioritize what we work on and in what time frame. And, and some of these, some of these things, while we believe they're, they're interesting and coming about, I'm not able to automatically get those into kind of the R&D cycle as it were. And so the, the uh, third party uh, driver developers that are out there right now, um, they are, they're their own ecosystem. Um, they uh, work with us. We give them uh, full support and SDKs and everything they need to be able to, to uh, make drivers. Uh, they work in different kind of, of uh, interesting business arrangements. Uh, sometimes we'll have third-party uh, manufacturers that want to integrate with Control 4. Uh, we don't have the resources to be able to app, to give them to be able to implement their product. They not, might not necessarily have those resources either. And they will sometimes contract with these uh, third-party developers and purchase that driver right out so that they give it away for free. It's included in our data. They get it through our certification process. It's included in our database and goes out as free distribution to our dealers and consumers. Um, there are others that the driver manufacturers, and in the case of Echo, all three of these guys, of these people saw that as an opportunity. As when the Echo came out, they went, wow, this is awesome. And when they heard that, that uh, you know Amazon was opening up that API to be able to allow for deeper integration, um, all, all three of these people kind of glammed onto that 
really quickly and saw it as an opportunity. And there, there it's, it's you in those three scenarios, it's a money, it's a money uh, potential thing for them as well, because they are all selling, uh, selling those drivers, but reasonably priced uh, drivers for that integration. But it's, it's a revenue stream for those folks to be able to support them in their driver development. Hey, Paul, as always, I enjoyed talking to you. Uh, glad to catch up with you after ISC West and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Michael, always good to be on with you. Appreciate the call. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Paul Williams of Control 4. I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for doing so. If you want to contact me, suggest guests, or just get feedback, do so through Twitter. Direct message is a great way to do that. I'm at Michael Wolf on Twitter. That's it. Until next week, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>